Blog Talk Radio. We are on the air. Welcome to Lex Talk TV with Barbara Barnett. And I am really, really excited to see there are six people in the chat room. Hello, guests in the chat room. Um, you can feel free to call in or Skype us. There should be a Skype button right on the studio panel. And um, I'd like to say hi. I've changed the night of my live broadcast from Tuesday, I'm sorry, from Wednesday night to Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 p.m. Central Time, which is where I'm broadcasting from, Central Time in the Chicago area. So um, I'm your host, Barbara Barnett, and tonight we're going to be talking about House MD for the first oh, half hour, 40 minutes of the show. And I'm going to invite you to please call in and say hello and participate in the discussion, whether in the chat room or uh, live on the air. So the chat room is open now, and, if, and please call in if you have a question, want to make a comment. Um, we will be joined in just a few minutes as soon as she comes in and Skypes by Jerry Weaver, who writes about Supernatural for blog critics. And Jerry is someone who I met in the house fandom several years ago. So as soon as she comes in, I'm going to introduce her. Um, but let me tell you what's on the show tonight. We're going to start with House. We're going to talk about, we're going to do a little speculation because it is, of course, Monday nights. And House was on Monday nights for most of its run. So we'll uh, kind of pretend this is House night in a little, a little bit. Um, and one of the things that uh, is exciting is I did not have um, a talk show when House was on, and I because I just started it. So it'll be kind of fun to sort of pretend we're back in the day with House. So, um, so tonight we're going to talk about House for the first, as I said, half hour, forty minutes, and then we will switch to Once Upon a Time. Talk about last night's Once Upon a Time episode and um, talk about the very exciting preview uh, for next Sunday night's episode, Crocodile. Um, so one of the reasons I decided to do tonight's show is because I was chatting with a friend of mine, and she said, you know, I'm really missing House. It should have premiered this week. And it would have been true because House often premiered uh, late September, early, even mid-October, even November, I think one season. So it would be right around this time we would be uh, seeing House MD. And um, so I thought, yeah, let's do that. Um, I thought people were missing it like I was. So um, with the distance of time and space, um, you know, we can do a little bit of speculating uh, I'm hoping Jerry is able to get on. Jerry, if you're in the chat room, tell me you're here because I do not see you in the queue. And if you want to call in and talk to me or make a comment or tell us about your favorite house experience, please call in. The number is 718-305-6982, um, or you can Skype us uh, just by hitting the button. Um, I do want to put in a little bit of a plug for my book, Chasing Zebras, The Unofficial Guide to House, which is available in paperback on Amazon, on Barnes & Noble, pretty much anywhere on the Internet, as well as Kindle, Nook, uh, pretty much any ebook form as well. So um, please buy a copy if you like House. It goes through Season 6, uh, and I'm hoping to do a second uh, version of it, either an add-on, which will be just on uh, Kindle, or a second edition of the book. So, waiting for Jerry, I'm going to dive right in. And I'm kind of thinking a lot about what my favorite house episodes have been, what my favorite seasons have been. So, I'm going to Guess I'm going to dive right in. Oh, is that Jerry? Maybe it is Jerry. I'm going to unmute her. And I am going to say, is great. Hello? Hello? Oh, my goodness. Hi, I'm in the queue. Hi. You know what? You're on the air. 
Pardon me? Is this Gary? Yes. Hi, Gary. It's Barbara. You are live on the air. Oh, hi. Hi. Um, so welcome to Let's Talk TV. Um, Thank you. So you write for Blog Critics. You write Supernatural, um, which we have to talk about before the end of the show. So I have okay. A, I have a really specific question about it. It is my daughter. Oh, daughter's, good. It's my daughter's favorite show in the whole world. So. Oh, is it? Yes, she's trying to get me to uh, to watch. So well, I, I think you won't be disappointed, but it's one of those ones you have to start with season one. Well, you know, she told me to start with season four because I've watched the first three episodes and it did not grab me. And she says, well, she says, I know you, Mom. You like that broody, dark, <laughs> you know, really angsty stuff. So why don't you start in season four because that's much more your cup of tea. <laughs> you know what I should do is I'll give you a list of must-see episodes and catch you up because she's kind of right. That's where the angst goes really big. Okay, okay. So, yes. Please do that because she won't tell me what my must-watch episodes are. <laughs> so, so you are known in the house fandom by the name Jair, right? Jair. Jair. Oh. Yeah, J-A-I-R. Oh, it sounds much more exotic when you spell it. <laughs> You're right. I like it your way better. Oh, Jair. Isn't it exotic? It does. I really love the sound of that. I think I'm going to be Jair. Oh, Cool. Cool. So, so it's, it's a, why did you come up with that? That is just such an interesting tag. Well, my actual name is Jerry, and Jerry is actually the name that my nephew used to call me when I was little, or when he was little, sorry. <laughs> and I just thought I needed to have a nickname, and I just chose his. I like it. I like it a lot. So, um, Jerry, I wanted to, uh, or Jer, um, uh-huh. I wanted to start with a bit of speculation okay here we are several months from the end of the final season of house okay we would just about be starting season nine if there was an, a last season or a next season so what do you think house and wilson are up to do you think wilson's still around i think probably it's getting pretty near the end and they're off the road the road trip is over and um, they're they're staring the big C in the face, and I think they're having their final talks. Yeah, do you think uh, Wilson would have asked House to uh, euthanize him? I think he would. I think that we got pretty close to that even in the final season. Yeah. So I'm thinking that that is something he would not be afraid to ask, and I think we know it's something that House wouldn't be afraid to do. Right. I know as hard as that was for House, to accept, but I think by now he would have accepted that this is what Wilson wanted. I think so, because I think that um, they had that time on the road together, yeah. and I think by the time that it was time to come off, probably House knew that it was. Yeah, I'm sure that's in the realm of fan fiction, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably been well covered. Yes, yes, anybody in our in our chat room know of any great post-season eight house fan fiction. I haven't read any house fan fiction for a while. so I haven't either, actually, not for a long time. You no, know, I used to write a lot of it and read a lot of it. And uh, did you, I can't remember, did you read any um, fan right, did you read any house fan fiction? Um, sorry, I missed the beginning part of that. Oh, have you written any house fan fiction? I, I have not. I have read yours. Well, thank you. Hopefully you liked it. I did very much. <laughs> I think yours was one of my first entries into fanfic, actually. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. My, because of, go ahead. Sorry. Because I knew I loved, I loved your analysis and, mm-hmm. you know, just looked so much forward when those weekly commentaries would come. So then when I saw your name on fanfic, I thought, well, I've just I've got to dig in. Yeah, I've I've written now in three different fandoms. I wrote for X-Files at the beginning and then House. And I actually started a uh, fan fiction um, based on Stargate Universe. Oh, okay. Which I actually just got into about a year ago after it was <laughs> off the air. Um, and I'm hoping to do a book on the show. But um, wow, very uh, yeah. So I dipped my toe into the fan fiction waters for that. 
Anyway, I want to, and I know, oh, you told me earlier that you were going to watch an episode before the show started. Before the uh-huh. So what did you watch? You know, I thought I'm going to try and pick one because I only had time for one. So as I said, if I would had more time, I'd have picked several. But I thought I could only do one. So I thought what for me really sums up what I loved about this show. What's kind of got it all. So I went to season two when I watched Autopsy. Okay. Is that about your favorite episode? You know, I don't know if I would have said it at the time, but it certainly always was up there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that it's the one that I can really point at just to think that everything that I loved about House is in that episode. Yeah, I would So agree. there are some things where I loved a certain thing or another thing, you know, where they did one thing really well or a couple of things really well, but Autosby does just everything. It does. It's, it's a beautiful story. It shows House as really as the person who I really fell in love with, not the crabby, misanthropic jerk, but yeah. someone who really has a soul, a soul That's what I thought. It had all the things that I like to think that he actually really did care about and that were driving him internally. And that got harder to harder to see, I think, the more the scar tissue was there. But in autopsy, you actually get to see it. Yeah, yeah, it actually got harder to see as the seasons went on. And I think that was one of my my biggest complaints about, oh, certainly season seven and definitely season eight. And even season six to a certain extent. I know mm-hmm. I'm always griping about, well, where is this soulfulness? You know, where is House's humanity? Where, Where's the reason we stare into his eyes? Yeah. Because yeah. I felt so much of, you know, because they're always, they're, you know, the other part was always there, definitely the part that was a little harder, you know, and definitely the um, the willingness to have some cruelty, some meanness. I mean, all that stuff was always there. But you'd always felt that if you stared hard enough, you could find out what he was really thinking. You know, it's it's really interesting that you say that because I've read, um, in, in prepping the research for my book, I read, oh, I would say, half the scripts of season one and several scripts of subsequent seasons. And I always point to the the, um, the script for um, maternity as one or, or for DNR as well. Mm-hmm. Both of those I love. I do too. And if you look at the scripts and you actually read, there's a scene in maternity where House is trying to make a decision about, you know, the, the episode is about there's a, there's a, an infection raging among babies in the hospital, newborn babies, and they don't know what it is. They can't figure it out. And House proposes to do a, an experiment, essentially, where they test an, two antibiotics on the two different groups of, of sick babies. Of course, the babies of course, the, the antibiotics that's going to work on one isn't going to work on the other, and they're going to lose part of their cohort. But the greater good is obviously they're going to save lots and lots of lives. Well, Cuddy doesn't want House to do this, and the lawyer says you can't do this. And ultimately, Cuddy says to House, you know, Now, in the scene, I'm Jerry, I don't know if you remember the scene where he's sitting in his office with the quarter, about to flip this coin. It was in this one minute scene, no dialogue in it at all. I do remember, unfortunately, having a little bit of phone trouble. Things are kind of cutting in and out a little bit. But I do know the scene you mean, and it's the one where he's having to try and decide which baby. Yeah, and and there's just pages and pages of subtext and dialogue that comes through without a word of, of dialogue. I mean, it's just there. It's not in the script. The script says he flips the coin, he makes the decision. And that was the genius of Hugh Laurie. That was the genius. That was the that he, his face could take you there. Yes, and his eyes. You know, it's always about the eyes. So it you was. know, and in DNR, there's a scene in DNR where you know they're going to turn off the life support of the jazz musician. Mm-hmm. Everyone's looking in, and re- you know they're going to turn off the life support, and the guy's going to die. The only person who's not able to look is House, who averts his eyes. 
And it's a really subtle thing, and it's not in the script at all. But it's like this brilliant thing that Hugh Laurie does. So it really was such an incredible synergy. Hey, I, I'm looking in the chat room, and we actually have House MD in the in Do the, we? Hi, House. How you doing? Um, yeah, I can see you. Everyone's in the chat room too. So he's on vacation. He is on vacation. He's on vacation. Yeah, he must be on vacation if he's in our chat room. Um, so I wanted to uh, talk about speaking of favorite episodes, best episodes. I want to go season by season. Okay. And ask you because uh, I've got, I kind of went through my list and I made notes. Oh about- goodness about which episodes I really loved, um, really loved. And I want to actually start with the last couple seasons. And it's funny because, you know, you look at first season, second season, third season, fourth season was an aberration because it was so short. Mm -hmm. Um, Fifth season, there are so many episodes that just come immediately as just brilliant, wonderful, I can't decide among is um, expansive riches. What my favorite episodes are, but guess the later seasons, season six, that's season seven and eight, and it becomes really clear there are two or three episodes that are not in this episode, and everything else is sort of okay. You know, they were okay. And I think funny you should say that because I was just thinking as I was trying to pick my episode that I got to watch, mm-hmm. and I was thinking, okay, now which one am I going to do? And as my hand is going over the seasons, I thought I'm not even going to go to four, five, six, seven, or eight. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go to one, two, and three, yeah. and I could remember them all. I mean, yeah. I could look at just as I'm running. I thought I don't have to go in and check the synopsis. I don't have to do this. I remember all these episodes. Yep, yep. And I and I and can't... you know I don't for six, seven, and eight. I, I do more with six, but not not with seven and eight so much. I mean, part of that is because maybe my book ends with season six. <laughs> yeah. I live those episodes over and over and over again. But, you know, seven and eight were the first two seasons where I didn't feel compelled to watch episodes over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And yeah, me- I think there was a part for me where I knew that, I loved, you know, the betrayal of Hugh Laurie with with House was just simply wonderful. But I was also investing what I thought the story of the show was. Mm -hmm. And I think by seven and eight, I'd realized perhaps I had been um, fan-wanking some parts that maybe weren't where the writers were going with things. Oh, tell me, expand on that. What what were you fan-wanking? I think that I was fan-wanking that the core of the show was that there was this man who um, had this chronic, terrible pain, living at a time and in a you know a, a culture and it's bigger than the states. It's really a Western thing where giving out drugs for pain is um, a really big and very sensitive thing that they don't like to do because of course they're narcotic. And I also felt that he was a man who um, could see far and could see very well but didn't fit in very well into what the expectations were for how people are supposed to behave. And part of it is that he just simply didn't see the point. Um, but he did actually see very far and very well, and he was someone, if you listened to, you could get, you could learn a lot from. And I sort of felt like that's kind of what the, the, what the team was all about, is someone who could actually learn whether they knew they were there to do that or not. Right, and, and they I think, learned very well. Yeah. By the time I got to season seven and season eight, I was starting to feel like it was still a character portrait, but it was a character portrait of somebody who was self-destructive and was driven by demons and who was going to, it was just a question of how is he going to burn himself out without burning other people out around him. Mm-hmm. And so I just thought it was just a little bit different than, than what I had been thinking the story was, was going to tell us. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. I think in, in seasons seven and eight, what I really missed. And I I think the story was still there. I don't think that we saw enough of what made House tick. Mm -hmm. And we saw him more as this callous, difficult, self-centered guy. And we didn't get, and, and, and really very willing to leave the introspective and intense work to his fellows. Yep. And really eschew the work where he was, you know, I'll never forget, um, I 
gosh, what episode was it in season one? It was very early episode um, where at the end of the day, uh, everybody was, you know, kind of going uh, out, going to <gasps> with the pills. <laughs> Are you thinking the one who's counting the pills because he's got to know? Was it? Um, yeah, maybe. And, and and he's like the final scene is him in his office. It's late at night and he's looking at his white, uh, not whiteboard, but his light box. Mm-hmm. Someone else is gone for the day. And, you know, he's he's this tireless researcher. He's tirelessly looking, um, you know, and I can't remember which episode it was now. If somebody's out there and you can remember what that episode was, please tell me. It might have been Detox. It might, I know there's one of it. I think actually I might be thinking of a different one because I think it's the same feel to it, though, where – the, it's the one where the two young kids um, were had, were having sex, and, and of course that tried to kill them. And it was because he, the one kid had been given the wrong pill. Occam's and way. even after they figure out, how still has to go and figure out which right. wrong pill he was given. Right, right, right. And, no, that's not the episode I was thinking of, but that's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. Um, and and I I did think that was something we lost in later seasons with that that sense yeah. of absolute focus. Yeah, we did, yes, and I think that's true. So let's go back to the glory days. Okay. <laughs> and we're talking, by the way, with Jerry Weaver, Jer, or as she's now going to be known, Jair. And I just love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're talking about house. So, okay, flash questions here. Episode, sorry, season one, your favorite episode. Wow. Okay. Can I tell you mine first, or do you want to? Go? Yeah, you tell me yours first. Oh, because I have mine written down. You see. Yeah. Okay. okay. So, you know, if I were gonna, if I were gonna have somebody watch for the first time, sort of thing. Anyway, my favorites of season one, the pilot. I think the pilot still stands up as one of the series' very, very best episodes. I would agree with that. And I think that that would be one of my favorites too. And I was actually just looking over some of the scenes from that one and thinking how many of them I really loved. You know, like even going out into the sitting room and just saying, um, "Listen up, you know, sick people." When he clears the, the sitting room. Yep, yep. And it just gave you such a perfect glimpse about where we were going to go. I am a board certified. <laughs> I think actually that was Occam's Razor. I have to say. Um, but, yes, the pilot, in fact, it's funny because I interviewed Katie Jacobs a couple of times. But the first time I interviewed her was in season five, and I asked her the question, what's your favorite episode of all time? And she said, don't ask me questions like that. But she followed that up with the pilot. Okay. The pilot. Um, so the pilot, Three Stories, which was the Emmy-winning script by David Shore. Yeah. Um, the first time we see Stacy. And um, I was just so moved by that first moment that he saw Stacy. But that whole episode where House is just talking about himself, um, it's just brilliant. DNR, for sure. Yeah. Um, I love Babies in Bathwater. I loved Babies in Bathwater, too. I thought that was a fun, it was a good episode. It was a, I liked it a lot. Um, I would probably throw in three stories. Because yeah. I definitely do love that one. Okay. Um, Babies in Bathwater is one where I just loved the story itself and thought that it showed us a lot about house. Yeah. Um, let's see, Detox. Me Very too. good at setting up some of the long-term stories. Yeah. That we were going to do. And DNR, because that's where they really got specific about the one thing. Yeah. Yes, I that was to me. I loved DNR. I just loved it. I just thought the whole yeah. episode just sang. And it was one of the ones where also you just loved the patient, which is another thing about autopsy that just stood out to me when I did see them too, was how much we loved the patient. And yes. I think DNR had that as well. Yes, yes, yeah. I, I absolutely agree. Um, uh, Damned If You Do. Was oh, such a good one for Chase. Um, yes, yes, that was a beautiful one for Chase. Um, and I really, you know, speaking of Chase, um, I always felt that, of course, this was House's story, but of mm-hmm. all of the fellows, I thought that Chase was the one 
really grew the most from season one. Yeah. And I think yeah he was of- the one by season three. I thought he's Minnie House. Which, of course, in season one, they did not introduce him that way. No, he was a spoiled brat. Yeah. And I think yeah. that it's a testament to Jesse Spencer and what he did with that, that what could have been a very two-dimensional character. Yeah. I think um, they knew halfway through season one that, one, they had to write Hugh Laurie as, as the sexy guy, because he was, which I don't think that they knew that going in when they were writing be- House. And then they knew they had to write Chase as someone with a soul. Yeah, yeah, and they did a really, really, really fine job of it. Yeah. Uh, they didn't necessarily do a great job with every character. Um, <laughs> but that was one, and I love yeah. the dance if you do, and I love the conversation. You know, that was what I loved about this, too, was um, the conversation that House has with the nun. I always mm-hmm. loved those patient conversations, and I think those tend to be my favorite episodes where you have a wonderful um, interaction between house and the patient, which again in season seven or in eight, you rarely had that yeah. that kind of interaction, yeah. especially um, one where you really felt he was lowering his defenses because this was a person from outside his regular world and he didn't have to be as defensive. Yes, and so he could actually speak to them. Right, speaking to strangers is often a lot easier than speaking mm-hmm. to someone you know well. So um, I really love those bearings. And, and I think that's where we missed out on a lot of houses. Humanity was in uh, was in not having those contacts. We just needed far fewer monster trucks <laughs> and more patient contact. Yes, definitely. So season two, episode favorite episodes of season two. Okay. Well, I, I, I've, I gravitated to autopsy. Yes. That's where I went to, so. Yes, you did. Um I loved the uh, Stacey episode. Okay. I um, did, too. I thought that was a wonderful little arc. I did, too. Uh, I loved Hunting, which was by um, Liz Friedman, who is the much-decried uh, writer of Bombshells <laughs> and with Sarah Hess. But uh-huh. Sarah always, always wrote House as kind of a, a jerk, um, mm. I thought, until maybe the very last couple of seasons, which is kind of ironic, I suppose. But Liz Friedman gave us hunting and um some and Merry Little Christmas in season three. That's right. By the way, uh Liz Friedman and Peter Blake, who had a very fun tweet this today, are both now associated with another fairly associated show. Um okay. called Elementary. Oh, where are they going there? They That's did cool. go there. Um okay. they- go there and I'm really excited about that because I've watched Elementary now and I'm really enjoying it. It's only had two episodes but um, but Peter Blake and Liz Friedman are both writing for it and guess who's going to be in I think somebody correct me if I'm wrong season, episode 6 or episode 7 I think it's episode 7 is uh, Lisa Edelstein. Oh no! Oh, that's wonderful. Okay, I haven't checked out Elementary yet. I've actually been following um, the British series at the moment, but I'm done, so I'm ready to start Elementary. It's very good, and Johnny Lee Miller, who stars in it, is actually a very good friend of Benedict Cumberbatch. That's right. They've won. They did Frankenstein together last year. Um, I think it was last year, and uh, so and Johnny Lee Miller is wonderful in this in this series. I really I've only I'd only seen him in two other things. One was train spotting and one was a very like almost nobody knows about this movie called Plunkett and McLean. The Michael Winterbottom movie. I think it was Michael Winterbottom and it has Alan Cumming in it and Robert Carlyle is in it, who's my new T V boyfriend. I was thinking that's how you came across it. <laughs> <laughs> that is, and that's how we came across Stargate Universe also. So, um, but yeah, so so Johnny Lee Miller is in this. He's really, really good. Um, so anyway, yes, yeah, so there's a house connection to that. Okay, so um, other season two uh, episodes I loved were, uh, you know, I loved Who's Your Daddy. I know that I'm in the minority here. Um, and I wrote a, a glowing review of, of Who's your daddy on my live journal? I never did it on on Blog Critic. I wasn't writing until season four for Blog. I I don't think I have any issues with Who's your daddy. I think that was a good. I think it was one of the one where people were a bit shocked at House. 
Yeah. But for me, that was still well within the parameters of what I could you know, thought was was uh, very in character for him. I did too. There was a big thing on on television without pity about how awful House was to have broke that girl's finger, and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, finger. No way. Not only that, but you know, he woke people up who were burned. But you know, in the end, they walked out of the hospital. So you know, it's one of those things where big picture. Oh yeah, I mean that episode. Um, oh, what was that called? Um, with the with the young with the burn victim. Right, which is another one that people again were like so shocked at what House did, and I thought, but it's diagnostic. It saved his life. It is really, you know, the show was always so much about the greater good and what was the right thing to do. Yeah, and I think when it was telling those stories, it was very, very strong. Yes. So I had no problem with those particular kinds of episodes where we were just a bit shocked at how far House would go to get the answer. Yeah, it's the ethical question about, you know, is is House doing the right thing? Is what he's doing ethical? And mm-hmm. he wasn't always doing the ethical thing, but he was always doing the right thing for the patient. Yeah. I think he was not always following rec- regulations, mm-hmm. but he was following his own ethics. Yeah, yeah. His and, own. and they were defensible ethics, I thought. Yeah, they were. And, and it's funny because when I wrote Chasing Zebras, for every single episode, I put in ethical dilemma. There was always, like, for every single episode, I was like, okay, what was the ethical dilemma of, of the week? Mm-hmm. And I found one for each one, and I found that after, by the time I finished writing it, I found that houses, and I had two or three chapters in the book on houses ethics, because that's how much it really impressed me. Mm-hmm. But his ethics were always internally consistent. He wasn't ever not consistent with his own ethics. And I always thought that was really pretty special. Um, it's very solid writing. Yes, and extremely solid writing, extremely consistent, even without a Bible. <laughs> and I think that's why it was so much fun to actually write about House, <laughs> because you know you'd finish one of those, and then it was easy to go on and just write pages and pages because there was so much meat that you could get into, um, oh. and just talk about what it meant to him personally, what it meant to his ethical view, oh, and what he was teaching. <laughs> oh my gosh, my my episode reviews were. 1,600, 1,800, 2,000 words long. They went on for pages and pages and pages. And I would have these great, especially in seasons uh, five, six, seven, even, even season eight, too, have these wonderful conversations with the writers, like Doris Egan, mm-hmm. Peter Blake, and Garrett Lerner and Russell's friend, and, uh, and Kathleen and Felter. Um, and I would have these... I would have interviews with them a couple times a year each. And it was just so much fun, like, arguing the character. <laughs> <What the> <laughs> that was very kind of them to get into a discussion. Oh, we would. And it was funny because I had something to Garrett Lerner and Russell Friend in one interview. And I said, well, was this, like, intentional? And he said, they both said, well, huh, we never thought of it that way before. But you're right. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, okay. And so, I mean, this was like about the fifth or sixth conversation we'd had, and it was great. Mm-hmm. And I love talking to the writers because yeah, me too. And I just it's fun. It's so much fun. So okay, so we have to go on because um, I have to get to Once Upon a Time. By the way, you better. Are you? Uh, do you watch Once Upon a Time? I'm not current with it because I didn't start with it when it started, but I'm now catching up. So okay. I'm not quite finished season one yet. Okay. I am, however, very much in love with Rumpelstiltskin. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I do understand what grabbed you about that character. Yes, I do love that character and the actor who plays him So and, and Mr. Gold. But we'll get to that in a few minutes. Um, so, all right, we're season three. Uh, House, favorite episode? Um... Okay. You're going to have to start with that one, too, I think. Okay, I will start. Because okay. I don't have them all right to mind as what the, they were called. Okay, Lines in the Sand with the autistic boy. Right. Which, to me, the most indelible scene is the final scene where he is standing, watching his carpeting being put in. Mm-hmm, having been shot. Watching the gift that this boy had given him. And he's still holding it. It must be hours and hours later. He's still holding this gift. And that, just that simple little gesture, just, like, got me in in the gut. It was just such a powerful moment. Son of Coma Guy. 
Oh, love it. Yeah. This is in no particular order. Son of Kamagai, probably top five episodes of the entire series, without depth. Yeah. Um, and I think it, it was interesting because not only does it give a lot of depth to House, it also was so much fun. And I it, thought that was one of the ones that they really, they all the tones worked so well together. Yeah, and John LaRocquette, a wonderful guest star. Yeah. It was great House Wilson stuff. It was brilliant House Wilson stuff. And it was everything we love about it. House being willing to take that risk in the middle of his legal issues to euthanize this guy, to, 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 let, to help him commit suicide. And just because he thought it was the right thing. Because it was the right thing to do. It's just yeah. brilliant, 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 brilliant. Um, I loved Merry Little Christmas because it was so damned angsty. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't get more angsty than that one. No, that was angsty. And that was the one where, you know, did he intend or did he not intend? And, of course, we were never given the answer. I actually think he did intend to do it. I actually, I asked Liz Friedman about it, I think. Did when she I, tell you? She did. She said she didn't think he was. I thought, you know, for me, I thought it was one where he was, he wasn't exactly sitting down saying, and now I am going to basically, you know, like pull the trigger, or, you know, he was obviously doing it with alcohol. But he can't not have known that the amount of alcohol he was drinking on top of the oxy had to be life-threatening. Well, not to mention. So it was more like, I don't care. Right, and more, and that call to his mother yeah. is a. I mean, to me, that was a farewell. That was a goodbye. Yeah, he knew perfect. I think that it was. Oh, he didn't know for sure he wouldn't survive it, but he didn't care if he did or he didn't. Right, right. I mean, that was like one that if I watch it again, I know I'm going to cry. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I'm looking down a few of mine, and I thought, you know, um, I loved informed consent. Mm-hmm. Because I thought that was a really good one again on House's ethics, and it also really pulled the team in. And so we really got to see what, what they were learning from House. Yeah. Um, so I liked that one a lot. Yeah. And what else did I really love? Um, Halfwit, I thought was oh, a very good one. Halfwit was also one of those, like, son of comma guys. Yeah. Where they had it. I think in a lot of ways, season three was the most cohesive season of the entire series. Yeah. They were really developing a theme. Yeah. Yeah, they were. They were. It was much more serialized. It had lost its proceduralness. Um, and really, you cannot watch season three randomly. You have to start from the beginning. Yeah. And it's one of the. You're right. Season one and season two. Although you do want to watch the Stacy episodes, of course, all like back yeah. to back. But you can kind of dip a little bit around the season, and you really can't do that in season three. Right. You can't do that. Um, season four. Okay. Season four. Um. Well, of course, House's Head and Wilson's Heart immediately jumped to mind. Yes. Um, yes. I think those were very, very strong episodes. And as back-to-back episodes, I don't think there was anything else that approached them. Brilliant writing by a friend and learner with story by Doris Egan. Just brilliant, 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 brilliant. Yeah. And I think each one of them was brilliant. You know, and that's what's what's so – because they've had other really wonderful ones, but to have two back-to-back like that. Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing. It was was really a two-part episode. Yeah. Um, and I thought it it was wonderful for House and equally wonderful for Wilson. Yes, absolutely. Season five. Season five. Gets harder, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, as you go on, it gets a little bit harder. harder. Let's see. Um, birthmarks was good. Birthmarks, absolutely. Yeah. Joy, I love Joy because I, I thought that was one of the ones where um, it looked like something really big was happening that was going to be a real change. And I loved the kiss. I did too. I loved that kiss. I really did. And people people have been on my case ever since then for being a hottie. But mm-hmm. I just went where the show was taking me. You know, yeah. I was Stacy. I was with Cameron. I was with, you know, everyone. You know, it, does, it didn't matter to me. I was with the show wherever it was taking yeah, it's me. It's just, was it believable? And I have to admit that, you know, I loved the joy. I didn't love much else about the way that it played out after that. Yeah. But I, I, I did love that. And I just thought the way that that happened was so believable and had me so on board. Yep. Totally did. Um, also, and I thought that everything from simple explanation when Kuttner committed suicide mm-hmm. on through the end was one sustained 
mini novel. I mean, it was yeah. it was really one followed from the next. And by the time we got to Divided and the season finale, it was wow, wow, wow. Um, it was just take your breath away. Yeah. Um, I felt uh, that. Was, oh, absolutely. You know, and, and Cameron and Chase's wedding counter, you know, juxtaposed against House's complete break from reality. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, that was actually, that was a wonderful series of episodes. And I know it was another one that was still controversial for a lot of fans because they felt like they had been basically led on. And I thought, well, I don't think that that's something that writers can't do, but as long as when you look back, you can see how it happened. And I thought they had the clues well laid in. They did. They really did. You could really see it. Um, I want to really quickly finish because I do want to get to Once Upon a Time, as I promised. I don't know how many of the guests. We have one, two, three, about seven guests in the chat room, and I don't know if they're here for House or Once Upon a Time. or <laughs> We can wrap up whenever you like. Um, but I do want to um, just ask, and, and we're, we can do this again. We can absolutely do this again, and uh, there's much more to talk about with House. Um, but I do want to say that starting in January – I'm going to be doing a, a rewatch, starting with season one, episode one of House, the pilot. And I will be doing weekly, maybe we'll even do it on Blog Talk Radio instead of um, in the forum of Blog Critics, um, because I don't want to duplicate myself because I have so many reviews on Blog Critics. So I haven't quite decided whether I'm going to do the, um, the rewatch chat, uh, either verbally or in writing, but it will be starting... Um, about the week after the new year um, on Monday nights. So uh, keep that in mind, all of you guys who are listening to this either live or in podcast. This is Let's Talk TV with Barbara Barnett. My guest today is Jerry Weaver or Jair. <laughs> for you. So um, I want to segue to Once Upon a Time. I sort of did talking about elementary before. It's like the six degrees, right? So you have house and Peter Blake and Lisa Edelstein and Liz Friedman connecting to Johnny Lee Miller in elementary who connects to Robert Carlyle, who's the star, one of the stars of Once Upon a Time. And then there's Jennifer Morrison. Mm-hmm. And, oh, and, my gosh, of course. Ha, huh. and Jennifer Morrison, who was, by the way, it was Jennifer Morrison. It was the fact that um, that Jennifer Morrison was connected to House that got me connected to the show because I was asked to write a series of articles introducing the show, not reviewing it, not promoting it, nothing like that. But ABC had approached us at Blog Critics and said, you know, we've got this new show. Would you mind doing some sponsored uh, features? And so they were tagged as sponsored by ABC. But um, so I started watching the show and I liked Jennifer in it. Um, and, but I was immediately, uh, captured by people still skin, which is the most bizarre thing that you would think that this grotesque looking, bedraggled, um, uh, imp, I suppose, <laughs> um, would, uh, would just capture not only my heart, but Wow. I mean, I think that Rumple and Mr. Gold, his counterpart, his alter ego, um, has really, is really the most popular character on the show, I think. I'm pretty sure, and, and Lana Perea being a close second, um, every poll I've seen. So you've just started watching it, yeah? I have. So um, I've I know the basic storyline. I've met a lot of the season one characters, but I'm not quite to the end of the season, which is okay. Like it's all right if you um, want to talk ahead of it because I'm gonna I know I'm gonna watch to the end no matter what. So what is the last episode that you saw of, of Once Upon a Time? Um, I believe Red Riding Hood is just getting going. Okay, so you haven't seen the Beauty and the Beast episode called No, I haven't. You must watch that. Are you watching them in order? <laughs> I am. Because as I said, I missed the beginning. So now I'm going back. Unfortunately, on my on demand, I can find Once Upon a Time. Yes. So I'm working my way through methodically. Well, hurry up and get to Skin Deep because I'm dying <laughs> to think. No, it's, it's a brilliant episode. Um, and uh, Jane Espenson, who, who actually wrote so much of season one, is just great. And, and she and I have uh, talked so many times now 
both on the phone and in person at Comic-Con. And uh, I'm actually having her, I think, on Let's Talk TV um, live uh, in the studio, uh, actually by Skype, <laughs> um, the first week in November when her next episode, which is called Tallahassee, airs the first week in November. I'm going to, we're not sure how we're going to do the interview, but I'm thinking we're going to do it live. Um, which will be a lot of fun, and she'll take calls from people and everything, so that'll be kind of fun. Oh, shoot, Uh, for being caught up by them. Oh, I hope so. Um, So last night's episode was um, interesting. It was very much Emma's and Snow White's story. Um, As many of you guys know, Emma and Snow White are now, they, they ended up falling through a portal, and are now back in fairy tale land, but in the wastelands of fairy tale land, the small part of fairy tale land that did not get destroyed by the queen's curse. And they're stuck. They're stuck there. And their only means of getting back that they knew of was through this portal back at Snow White's castle that uh, was that got burned, that they burned because they wanted to prevent the evil queen's mother, who was also stuck in the wasteland, from coming into Storybrooke because that's what she wants to do. So they're still stuck there. And we see um, uh, uh, King George, who is um, Prince Charming's sort of father, <laughs> not really his father, but he's his sort of father, uh, is now in Storybrooke, too. So um, we don't know what's going to happen with that. And the Mad Hatter has been reunited with his daughter, which was a lovely, lovely touch. I really like that. I like Sebastian Stan, who um, is who plays the Mad Hatter. Um, this is uh, counterpart. Jefferson is his name in Storybrooke. So it was good. But I have to, because we only have like 10 minutes left, before I have to wrap up, but I have to tell you, um, I'm really, really looking forward to next week's episode, which is called Crocodile. So, Jerry, can you tell me what you think that the, the topic of Crocodile might be about? Well, Peter Pan springs to mind. Peter Pan does spring to mind. Um, so I'm wondering if there's something to do with Peter Pan. Well, it is something to do with his nemesis, Captain Hook. Okay. And are there any crocodile tears involved? I don't know, but I would imagine there'll be a few tears in the audience. Um, It looks like it's going to be a very emotional episode. We finally learn, and I don't know if you've seen that one in episode one yet. Have you seen any of the episodes where, uh, with Rumpel with his his son? No, I haven't. You haven't seen any of those. Okay. So Rumpelstiltskin has a son who in season one, we find out um, Rumpel's wife left him. We don't know why. We don't know how. We don't know the circumstances. We know that before he became Rumpelstiltskin, he was a um, a poor uh, a peasant, a, a spinner of wool, um, but but a peasant. And but we get this this some indication that. He was involved in the ogre wars, and he ran. He left. He 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 didn't believe in the war. He believed that the war was just going to be for sacrificing the children of of their realm, and so he left. And he gets into all kinds of trouble, and he ends up becoming the Dark One, which be, is his Rumpelstiltskin. Well, anyway, in in next week's episode, we learn about what happened to his wife. And um, and her uh, her run in with Captain Hook, actually their run in with Captain Hook, and the circumstances under which he lost her. So that's so heavy on the angst, I think. Yeah, and then the parallel story in Storybook Land, or in Storybrook, is uh, Belle, um, who uh, who Rumple had left for thought was dead. Um, the evil queen had told him in season one at the end of Skin Deep, sorry for the spoilers, <laughs> but had told him that uh, Belle was dead, that she left him. 
he threw her, he, 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 he separated himself from her because he, he couldn't stand to be in love or whatever. And, um, and she went home and her, her father tortured her and she threw herself out of a window and killed herself. That's what she told him. But we learn that, in fact, the queen has kept her imprisoned for all these years. And she was released. She was let go by um, the Mad Hatter in the finale of season one. And they're reunited. He, she and Mr. Gold slash Rumpelstiltskin. So there's something going on with them as well in this episode. And, and she's in danger in this. So I think this might be our Rumpelstiltskin gets to be not quite such a bad guy and gets to show more of his uh, his uh, bravery or caring or whatever. So I'm really, really looking forward to this episode because um, those Rumpelstiltskin episodes are always great. I had the great fortune to interview um, Lana Paria a few weeks ago, who plays the evil. Mm-hmm. She's a great interview. I want to ask you, okay, so Supernatural, why is, why is, why is it my daughter's favorite show? Tell me. Um, Supernatural. Supernatural is a show about family and about what family needs to do to each other and how family tries both hurt and ultimately are your deepest tie that gets you through the worst times. And what they do is they use supernatural um, trappings around it, but at the core of it, it's really about family. And I think that people absolutely love it because the way that they tell the story about the family and the issues and what you know, how you are both you know, scarred and shaped and um, from your childhood forward, you carry your family forward with you. And I think that people have the stories resonate. And the two characters, the two leads, are so you, so well-developed and so individual that there are many ways that the story can resonate. And when it does resonate, people get fanatical. Yeah, well, I know that it, it's a hugely popular show. And it airs on the CW, right? It does. Yeah, going into its eighth season. Wow. Okay been on for a long time and I know she's like mom have you watched it yet mom have you watched it yet mom you gotta watch it I'll send you a list of catch-up episodes okay thank you thank you Shoshana if you're listening which I doubt um I I will watch I promise oh I do want I have another um once upon a time thing I'm going to be sort of once upon a time thing so my other new show that I'm really pushing this season it because I want people to watch it because I'm really afraid it's gonna get canceled um, is Last Resort, which stars Andre Brower, another House Connection. Of course, he played Dr. Nolan um, on House, House's psychiatrist. It is a brilliant, 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 dark, serious, intelligent drama on ABC. It also stars Jess- Jesse Schramm, which is my Once Upon a Time connection, because she played Cinderella in Once Upon a Time during season one. I don't know if it's going to be in season two, but I'm interviewing her on Thursday. And it's actually, I just had a, a go back and forth between uh, myself and uh, somebody at ABC who was thinking I was going to do a weekly chat with her. So, oh, wow. so that was like, oh, I thought you were going to do a weekly thing with her. And I'm like, I would love to. That's great. Are you offering? <laughs> so, <laughs> So he says, yeah, I thought that's what you were going to do. And so I'm, I'm actually still talking to her publicist and we'll try to work something out, which would be lots of fun if we, I did a weekly thing with Jesse and we could talk about um, uh, Last Resort, of course. And uh, this Thursday when I interview her, I will be uh, asking her to do about Once Upon a Time. And even though I'll write that up as a print interview, um, I will actually – publish the, not publish, but put up the audio um, on, uh, for next week on my Let's Talk TV show, um, on the Blog Talk radio show, so people will get to actually listen to the interview, um, if I can actually figure out how to do that. I'm not entirely sure I know how to do that. Um, so that's coming up. And then the week, next week, I don't have a guest as of yet. Um, you're always welcome to go back, Jerry. Well, thank you. Uh, but the week after that, I will be having on as my guest, um, his name is Gareth Hughes, and he runs the Once Upon a Time fan site in the UK that has become just enormous 
be huge. And uh, he just did, their state just did a very successful auction on behalf of With Kids Glasgow, which is um, a charity that Robert Carlyle is a sponsor of. He's an ambassador of that charity. And among the things that were auctioned off were the original chipped cup from the episode Skin Deep, which it was it's such a significant piece um, for the Rumpelstiltskin and Bell story. Um, and that was actually, Carlisle contributed that, donated that. From, it was something that, that they had given him from the series, and then he uh, donated it to the auction. So that was, like, pretty cool. And um, so they made a lot of money for this wonderful charity, but the site is just really great. And Gareth is going to be going to um, Comic-Con in London because um, they're based out of the U.K. And uh, so he was really excited because he got his press credentials. And I'm going to be talking to him live the day after he gets back from Comic-Con, which happens to be uh, on a show night. So I'm going to have him live if he's at all awake. Um, he said he's going to get some sleep because London time is six hours ahead of where I am. And uh, so it'll be the middle of the night, but he promised he's going to take a nap and all that. So that'll be exciting. And then the week after that, I think I'm going to have on Jane Espenson um, or cook up something else entirely. Um, trying. What else are you watching, Jerry? In the- um, let's see. What do I have going on right now? I've, I've dipped into Revolution because there is a supernatural connection there. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure what I'm going to think of that one yet. But uh, I'll give it a little while to kind of find its feet. Yeah, have you caught up with it? Or you, I didn't see tonight's episode. Oh, tonight's episode was five minutes. Yeah, <laughs> sadly, we've had some really terrible internet issues going on in this house, so I'm going to have to catch up on that one. Um, so I, I'm not sure what I'm going to think. I think they have to find the story there yet. Yeah, I agree. I've seen the first four episodes, and I'm still not sure. Yeah. So it's I- interesting because... Um, Eric Kripke is the showrunner there, and and he's definitely the one, I think, in charge of the writer's room. And he did Supernatural for the first five years. So I've got a lot of faith in a way because he does know how to tell long-term arcs, but he hasn't found them yet. Yes, I'm actually going to be on a conference call with him, I think, later this week, if I remember. I think I think I, I yeah, I think it's this week, maybe Wednesday. Um, there's a conference call with him. So, yes, I'm looking forward to... Uh, being on that because I really want to know. I I like my science fiction dark mm-hmm. and serious and intellectual, yeah. and okay. it has flashes of it. And I adore Billy Burke in it. He's really good. Mm-hmm. I'm not crazy about the girl. Yeah, I'm thinking the thing is, is that Supernatural, just so you know, is very dark, very very dark in it, and just you know all the serious things that are going on in there. And he spun a five season arc that was absolutely amazing. So the man definitely knows how to look at his mythology and ground it in character. And yeah. that is the real strength of his. But I think that he um, just has to figure out who on his show is going to hold the audience. Yep. Because yep. it may not be who we thought it was to begin with. Yeah, I think intended as this is the girl, the teenage girl show, and mm-hmm. brother. I mean, they're like the propulsive element. I don't think that... Um, um, that she's really strong enough. I think Billy yeah. Miles is going to have to be the character yeah. who carries it and the adult characters. Exactly. And I think there is another guest character who actually has another supernatural connection because Eric Cricky is bringing a lot of these people in. But Mark Pellegrino just did um, a guest episode in, in season three, or sorry, in episode three, and I think he was absolutely wonderful. And I think they're going to have to look at those adult characters much more than I, who he set out I to agree. begin with. Yeah, Giancarlo Esposito, who is another, by the way, Once Upon a Time connection. Um, and he plays the mirror on Once Upon a Time, and he is uh, uh, quite the uh, evil dude So um, in Revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, he's kind of weak and hapless in Once Upon a Time, but he's, uh, he's quite evil looking. Um, so what else? Anything else in the last few seconds before I thank you? <laughs> um Actually, no, not right now. I have to say I'm doing catch-up right now Okay. for a lot of things. Yeah, I think I've kind of settled on what I'm watching this season. And Last Resort, Revolution, it, it gets better. Um, 
elementary once upon a time, which is always anyway. So Jerry, I want to thank you so much for being on. I'm so glad your computer issues got better. Thank you. (laughs) At the last minute. I want to invite you to come on anytime you want um, and talk about whatever you want. Uh, And I am uh, really excited. Thank you so very much. Stop by. Thank you so much for having me on, Barbara. It was wonderful. Thank you. And stop by letstalktv.barbarabarnett.com to see some spoiler pictures for next week's Once Upon a Time. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next week. Good night. Bye, all.